Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Measure the World, a podcast produced by scientists for scientists. Eventually, you are going to be able to have a five of eight row system mm-hmm. that you can use day and night and cleaning your, uh, your fields right. uh, 24-7. Huh. One thing that uh, uh, is going to change in, with this technology is that you are going to have to change the paradigm of uh, weed control because what is going to happen is that you are going to plant your tomatoes mm-hmm. and then two, two or three weeks later you are going to have a good pass to eliminate all the uh, weeds that are one inch mm-hmm. or, or, or less mm-hmm. in the first pass. And then you are going to do all your groundwork, cultivation, then you come back with a second pass to kill the second generation that is coming up and then that is going to allow your plants to to prevail. Right. That's a small taste of what we have in store for you today. We Measure the World explores interesting environmental research trends, how scientists are solving research issues, and what tools are helping them better understand measurements across the entire soil-plant-atmosphere continuum. Today's guest is Saul Alarcón. Saul is an agronomist for Gradient Crop Yield Solutions with over 30 years' experience in agriculture. And as part of the Morningstar Company, his research into plant health has been instrumental in developing crop models for growers. Saul obtained his bachelor's in biology with an emphasis in plant health from the Instituto Tecnológico de los Mochis in Sinaloa, Mexico, and recently received his master's in agronomy from Iowa State University. And today he's here to talk about his research into precision agriculture, focusing on the improvement of crop yields and the optimization of input cost, all while protecting natural resources. So, Saul. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, thank you for having me today. I appreciate it. All right. So definitely today we wanted to talk about your projects, your research. Uh, but first, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became involved in agronomy? Sure. Um, you know, when when I was uh, getting my bachelor degree back in Mexico and I in the last, I think the last two years of my uh, studies, you know, I got involved in a subject called integrated pest management. Mm. And uh, at the time, you know, I fall in love with, with, with the concept of, uh, you know, managing insects and reducing pesticides mm-hmm. and all those things. And um, as I finished my career, my, uh, excuse me, my studies, um, you know, I, 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 I noticed that I had a passion for that. And coincidentally, I got an internship uh, with a company called Campbell Soup mm-hmm, Company, mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the company that makes the soups. And and they had a research station in Guasave, Sinaloa, Mexico. So I went out to apply for a inter, an internship. And, it, and I say that it was a, a beautiful coincidence because the program, the program that they were developing at the time was actually integrated pest management practices. So it was like a dream come true. And, um, you know, I, I started doing a lot of research working with uh, very uh, capable, smart uh, entomologists, plant pathologists, and, and it was a great, great start for me. So that's how I got involved in, in um, agriculture and in research in specific. Mm-hmm. And how did you move on then to work for Gradient Crop Yield Solutions and Morningstar? Well, you know, when, when I was in, in working for uh, Campbell, they actually relocated me to the United States mm-hmm. uh, in 1997. And, and, and I worked, you know, for many years with them. Uh, then I came to California in 2000 and I started working again in the tomato industry here mm-hmm. in California. And by 2010, uh, I started uh, working for the Morningstar company as a, uh, as a, a research mm-hmm. uh, scientist, you know, mm-hmm. especially as an, an agronomist. And, and since then, I have been working uh, with Morningstar. And, and um, after, you know, so many years working on projects and getting excellent results, uh, my colleagues and I decided to create a, an entity called Grading Crop Yield Solutions, which is basically the vehicle that we use to transfer all these technologies that we develop to the growers. Mm-hmm. So that's how how uh, you you see you know and the place of grading within the Morningstar universe. Mm-hmm. And 
in your in your bio here, we mentioned that you recently uh, went back for your master's in agronomy at Iowa State University. After being in the field for so long, for decades, what made you want to go back go back to school and and get a master's? Ah, uh, excellent. That's that is an excellent question. It was a a, a personal dream from from my from when I was a little kid. You know, I wanted also to to study abroad, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't know where and, and, and what I wanted to do at the time. But um, but lately, uh, as as time passes by, you start understanding that there is there is a lot of changes in technology. You know, there are new things to investigate, new things to understand. Mm-hmm. And I felt that uh, it was a good time to go back to school and 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 and, and catch up with all these developments that were, uh, you know, uh, happening at the moment. Remember that, uh, you know, when I graduated, I think it was uh, 1991. Mm-hmm. And now you you, you transition into, um, you know, satellites and, <laughs> right. and, and, you know, laser lasers and, and all these, these uh, technologies, GPS mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, all these incredible technologies. So I, I felt that I needed to, um, uh, get updated on, on, on those skills. Right, right. No, definitely. And we'll talk ab- about this here, but even just in the past five years, there's just been leaps and bounds when it comes to the technology involved in agriculture. Um, so I can imagine, yeah, going from, you know, nearly, you know, 30 years ago <laughs> is, a, is a big absolutely, deal. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And, and w- one thing that, uh, you know, is, is, is interesting to, to, to share in this, in this section is that, when I was at Campbell's in the, in the uh, early '90s, we were already using sensors. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we were already using uh, uh, live witness sensors mm-hmm. and, and air temperature sensors and, and two-way two channels, uh, data loggers. Right. You know, yeah. very uh, simple equipment. Yeah. But that's when I fall in love into this uh, technology. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, like I said. Uh, you start working on on, on this on these uh, technologies, and you realize that the, the next five years that is a new thing, and 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 so on. Right, right. So for those in our audience who are not uh, very familiar with with agriculture or um, or what you're working on, can you give us a brief definition or introduction into precision agriculture and smart farm management? Yeah. Well, precision agriculture is is a concept that has been uh, developed maybe uh, the last 10 years, mm-hmm. 10, 15 years, and actually is is the use of um, all technologies that make, uh, in this case, for instance, groundwork more efficient, you know, and, and more accurate, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, precision agriculture uh, can be uh, an example, for instance, GPS mm-hmm. technology. Which was actually the, the the first technology that was used to describe as precision ag, right? You know, and uh, you are talking about maybe uh, you know the early two thousands, where where precision agriculture started. And um, the other question was, in, what, what in, is the second concept? Uh, this is similar to to what you were doing there at Morningstar with smart farm management. Okay, so a smart farm uh, management. Uh, in our concept is is basically the integration of uh, all these technologies mm-hmm. that are going to help you to improve production mm-hmm. and and in the case of agriculture um, smart management is is focused on increasing of yields mm-hmm. right and helping growers to to be more uh, profitable but in reality you know, at the same time, you are trying to achieve this sustainability factor, which is going to help you to minimize the detriment of the environment. Right. So smart, ma- smart farming is basically focusing of and on optimization of resources, be more productive and deplete uh, or damage uh, the uh, less possible the environment. Right, right. So w- with that being said, can you tell us a little bit about... Uh, Morningstar and the kind of the, the business model and how they work with their their partner growers. Yes, uh, the Morningstar company is is uh, the biggest tomato uh, processor in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have facilities in uh, 
in three locations here and we have uh, two in Los Banos and one in Williams, California. Mm -hmm. And basically Morningstar is a vertically integrated organization and we uh, you know, produce uh, the plants that uh, the growers plant in the ground. We uh, provide also services to plant uh, these uh, plants in the ground. We have a transplanting operation. Uh, we also have a harvesting operation and, and, and we have a, a hauling company, uh, the Morningstar Tracking Company, and we have our, our tomato processor. So we have a vertically integrated organization. And what, what we do with growers is we are basically uh, negotiating with them to uh, be uh, and participate as, as suppliers. Mm -hmm. You know, they uh, produce these tomatoes and uh, they actually do an awesome job. Uh, the processing tomato industry is one of the best industries you can find in the world. Mm -hmm. High productive uh, uh, growers, uh, very highly technified growers. Mm -hmm. And all of them uh, deliver uh, tomatoes, uh, basically starting from the first week of July all the way to October 30th, more or less. So this is basically the structure. And and Morningstar also has a their own uh, or, um, farming operation called Lucero Farms, where we have a small portion of the total acreage we grow in, in the state of California. Right. That that makes it that makes it a bit clearer for clearer for me as well. That helps me better understand kind of how how things are a bit more more integrated there. Absolutely. No, it's 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 really really uh, a, a big organization, and I have to say that uh, all the success that Morningstar has achieved has it, uh, has been due to the, the the great vision of Chris Ruffer, mm -hmm. the owner, uh, and that has a uh, tremendous support uh, for uh, research. In this case, mm -hmm. he, he loves innovation. He's always, he's always looking uh, to find the next best technology they can have. So that is also a huge factor in making Morningstar what it is right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there, there's a lot of information out there for any of our audience who wants to know more about Morningstar. They've, they've got a lot of uh, a lot of cool videos and and other things online where you can see all the different ways that they're integrating their technology like uh you know like you were saying so from from uh from seedlings from from planting in in the greenhouses to transplanting to growing and and you know beyond so uh, a lot of Correct. really really cool uh cutting edge it seems that you guys are very much uh, early adopters in a lot of this this new new and and budding uh, technology so that, that being said, let's talk about some of this this new and interesting uh, technology and research that you've been doing there at Morningstar. Um, what are some of the, the projects that you have, or at least I, I guess I should say, what are what is some of the, the uh, agricultural research and the interest that you are focusing on right now? Well, we, we, we are involved in, in several aspects of uh, agricultural production. And... Um, one thing that we were working the last 10 years was basically in the improvement of uh, irrigation practices for, for growers, mm -hmm. for tomato growers. And that was uh, even uh, even more important uh, after the drought, right? right? Yeah. And when we went through the drought. So um, th there was a lot of interest of, on growers to uh, get help to improve water usage. Right. Uh, they were very limited in the water allocation and, and they wanted to understand what is the minimum amount of water I can use to produce a uh, decent crop or, or, or be able to, to, to be profitable, right? Right. right? And all that triggered a lot of interest on us to develop technologies and um, Basically, uh, we started uh, understanding from the basics, you know, what, what is the best sensor that I can use for to monitor moisture, soil moisture? Mm -hmm. What is the best sensor I can use to monitor uh, air temperature, uh, relative humidity, vapor pressure deficit? And, and as we move forward, um, we, we were uh, getting uh, a better understanding of what the growers needed. Uh, to the point where we develop a technology uh, using infrared uh, uh, sensors mm -hmm. 
uh, that help us to monitor water stress. Mm -hmm. So all these these components together, all this technology was put in place, you know, to assist the growers and develop algorithms and tell them when to irrigate and how much water to irrigate. So that was the main focus in terms of um, water management. And I can give you more details later on, but that was the main focus uh, in our research. Right. The, the second uh, uh, aspect that uh, we got involved uh, is in the, uh, in the understanding of crop nutrition. Uh, we also see that there are a lot of needs for growers to improve uh, uh, fertilization. Um, there are a lot of restrictions coming up that are going to basically put growers on the spot related to uh, fertilizer, uh, you know, uh, contamination and, and groundwater. Right, right. So um, we, we, we understood that. Growers told us. Uh, that we needed to develop uh, methods that could ensure that they were going to pass revisions or mm -hmm. audits, mm -hmm. right? And so we are working now on that very intensively, and we have a goal, uh, as a matter of fact, to uh, increase yields by 15% within the next three to five years. Wow. So it's a very ambitious uh, target, but uh, we are working hard uh, to try to, you know, collaborate with growers mm -hmm. and achieve that goal. And there are other benefits that you are going to get out of that because if you achieve that goal, even if it is not 15%, you can uh, produce the same amount of tons in less ground yeah. and less, less, less land. Mm -hmm. So you use less water, less fertilizer, and, and you know, uh, less resources in general. So that's the second uh, aspect that you know, we are working uh, very, very intensively. And the other factor that I have to mention is is that we are trying to understand how to improve uh, harvest, uh, uh, you know, activities. For instance, we have now uh, a, a network with a weather stations that we are actually using the Atmos 41. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, in this case, we have, uh, I think, 15 stations already uh, installed from Bakersfield all the way to um, Colusa. Wow. So and we are planning to increase the network uh, even even more because we need to uh, uh, create models that are going to tell us when can I go to harvest and where do I need to harvest, right. you know, and, and there are heat units model and other technologies that we are trying to put together to do that. And I can say that other things we are working with satellite images. Um, we are uh, partnering with EOS. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, a company that provides uh, satellite services. We have a partnership with them, and uh, we are doing artificial intelligence uh, models, and we are just starting. But th there is a lot of uh, uh, projects that uh, we, we are working on right now. That sounds super exciting. Let's back up a little bit, and I wanted to go back to what you're talking about with, um, with water management with, with the growers. Um, and because, yeah, like you said, I mean, w water is a, a big cost for, for these growers, um, especially there in California, we're dealing with, you know, um, extreme or exceptional drought, um, in, in many of those areas. Um, and then, I mean, I guess we have not only on, uh, with extreme drought, but then also this year we had, uh, quite a bit of, of snow and rainfall that followed that drought. And then so you have flooding in some areas there in, in the Tulare Basin and, and others. Um, how, how do you think, um, I, I guess I want to I hit this question before we, we move on to, to some of these other ones, but how do you think some of, this, um, some of this technology and some of these practices can help growers deal with uh, climate instability um, with these issues, with, with drought, with flooding, and, and with, uh, with groundwater, I know there's, there's issues with, with groundwater recharge and, and subsidence and things. Yes. Uh, nature, nature is unpredictable, and, and you are always going to have situations where, you know, you have a drought for several years, then you have a year like this year where we, we got enormous amount of water. Mm -hmm. But one thing that uh, we need to uh, understand is that, in crop production, in crop production, 
regardless if it is a drought or we have plenty of water, we have to make sure we are providing our crops with the right amount of water at the right time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that that concept is not going to change ever. Mm -hmm. Because uh, one thing that uh, we have noticed is that some growers, you know, if you have plenty of water, they, 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 they over-irrigate. They tend to right. over-irrigate. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a huge problem. Uh, uh, we are uh, doing a lot of work right now understanding what is the optimum amount of water that is going to allow our roots to breathe. Right. Right. Remember. Our, uh, the roots breathe oxygen like us, mm -hmm. like humans, mm -hmm. right? And they, they uh, you know, transpire CO2 in the ground. There's the opposite on, on, on the canopy. The canopy, uh, you know, transpires oxygen. And when this tomato opens, it takes CO2. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's the opposite concept. So the, the, the growers, uh, you know, we, we are trying to collaborate with them and trying to explain them the importance of maintaining proper levels in the ground. Mm -hmm. You know, what is the amount of water that is going to provide the oxygen that these roots need to prevail and look for all these nutrients and, and make the plant more efficient. So all these, these uh, aspects, uh, that's what we are trying to uh, collaborate with, with growers mm -hmm. and say, if, if even if you have uh, uh, enough water, you don't need to uh, use it just because you have it. Try to use use it in a strategic way so you can increase your yields. So that's one of the things that uh, we have been doing, um, you know, I mean, since the last five years, but now with, uh, with the situation right now where growers do not have any limitations with water, mm -hmm. we are trying to uh, take, uh, use this opportunity to tell them, don't use that water if you don't need to. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just, just use what you need. And, and, um, we, we have some examples uh, right now that we have with some cooperating growers, and it's amazing how much yield you can, in, you, you can get when you allow the plant to work in the optimal conditions mm -hmm. in, in, in the ground. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is one thing that uh, we are trying to deal with um, is educate growers or, or, or collaborate with them and show them, uh, you know, using all these technologies so they can improve uh, water usage. Right. But because you don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. Right. We might get into another drought right. again, and, and we have to adjust and, and be able to respond to, to, to those conditions. Right, right. Um, one, of the, one of the stereotypes when it comes to farmers and growers is that they are slow to adopt new technologies into, into their farming practices. Um, have you seen that as the case in, in I mean, in working with your your partner growers, or has there has there been um, I guess ha, I guess ha, have you have you had a good a good amount of buy-in from the growers in implementing these new technologies and practices? Yes, um, one one thing that I I, I learned uh, since I started working with growers uh, early in my career is that it has to be a, a very slow process mm -hmm. and. Um, I haven't known yet a grower that goes full blast into a new technology mm -hmm. in one or two years. Right. Yeah. And I learned that uh, through through my career. So um, fortunately, I had uh, great coaches, great mentors that show me that there are actually three steps to be able to successfully transfer a technology to a grower. And the first thing that um, I learned is that you have to demonstrate the technology in the small plots. Uh, you have to be able to uh, demonstrate statistically and, and, and show that the significance of, of the benefits mm -hmm. of, of the technology and start already working with the potential economic savings or the, the, the benefits that the grower is going to get out of this, this uh, technology. Once you uh, successfully uh, demonstrate that this technology can help the growers, you start now reaching out to them and say, hey, uh, I have this technology. Can we do a side by side? Mm -hmm. You know, and mm -hmm. you go now into the phase of semi-commercial mm -hmm. mode and you have to work with the growers one to two or up to three years, you know, 
and 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 that in that process then that's when when the technology can succeed or fail right so and uh, once the grower validates the 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 benefits of that technology it immediately wants to expand to their uh, you know one portion of the acres 25% of the acres and that's that's the basically the process that i've seen uh, here in California, here in California, I I have growers that, uh, in average, yeah, try to expand basically in the in the third year, mm-hmm. and but it, it's not an easy process. Right. There is always questions. Growers are very smart, very methodic, and 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 and, and the number one thing is they are business people. Yeah. So that's that's probably the, the 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 biggest challenge is to demonstrate that when you have a technology, they are gonna get the return of the investment. Right. So you have to be prepared. You have to do your homework, work hard, and I guarantee you that if you follow that process, any technology that is proven can be expanded. Right. Right. I think it's it's interesting um, in being able to um, to provide this you know uh provide this the service for them and to allow them to to kind of experiment and and figure things out um along with that is it when you are beginning to implement these um i guess these changes or improvements to their growing practices is it something that you're you're doing incrementally so so this this first year or for this first plot or field we're only going to do these you know these sensors or this type of um uh, this type of practice, and then maybe the next year, or next season, we're going to add a little bit more. Is it something like that, or is it where we're just going to plug in, plug in everything that we've got, and you're going to see a big jump <laughs> from from one year to the next? This is a great question. This is a great question, and and uh, remember that we have the the the, the great uh, advantage to have our own farms, right? And Lucero Farms. Right. So one portion of the acreage that we have in Lucero Farms is devoted to perform research. Right. And and uh, the owner, Chris Rufford, as I mentioned before, he's always trying to uh, get more and more ground into the research uh, um, uh, area because he understands that that's the only way we are going to be able to get better. Mm-hmm. So um, Lucero Farms is, 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 a, is a great opportunity for us to uh, do all these this, uh, small plots, we are all over the place. So we have a uh, wide area where to test things. Right. And, and, and that's basically what helped us to uh, start with the, 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 um, with the first step. And there are some growers that also, I mean, they, they love research and they said, hey, I want to participate. Mm-hmm. And one thing that um, I have to say is that every year, um, uh, Agriculture R and the and Gradient have a um, yearly meeting where we bring, bring all the growers and we share with them all the research that we perform. And in that in that uh, meeting, that's a great opportunity for us to 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 call them and say, "Do you guys want to cooperate? Do you want to participate?" And that's probably uh, the main reason why we have been so successful in expanding our technologies mm-hmm. uh, um, right now. Right. One of the one of the other cool things is that here at Meter we talk a lot about the um, measuring the soil plant atmosphere continuum, and and again one of the cool things that that you guys are doing there at Morningstar is that you are doing that very thing. You're you're measuring, uh, you know, you've got sensors in the soil, you've got se- sensors measuring the plants, you've got sensors measuring the water, you've got sensors me- measuring the atmosphere and the the uh, the the local climate there and the microclimate. Um, could you go into yeah. a little bit more detail about how you're going about? measuring in each of those in each of those regions yes um let, let, let me first start with uh, the reason why we we invo- got involved with uh the measurement of the uh, uh the continuum right mm-hmm. the soil plant atmosphere continuum uh and i i have to say that uh when i started working with soil moisture sensors and i, I was trying to manage water in order to uh, smartly reduce um, the amount of irrigation towards harvest and increase uh, soluble solids. And um, 
one thing that I learned uh, through my basic research is that the changes in soil moisture are very slow. Mm -hmm. it, it's very slow. And, and sometimes, uh, depending on the soil type, it's, it's very fast, right? Mm -hmm. You have a sand versus a clay. And in and, 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 and some cases, I wasn't stressing enough because the water wasn't moving enough. Or some cases, I wasn't, I wasn't stressing too much. And I was losing yields, mm. right? And in one occasion, I remember that I was uh, cutting the water to a field and I went from 100% ET to 75% ET. And I see the field and it's, it's looking great, green, beautiful. I didn't see any effect. I was trying to see the effect of the cutting the water with my eyes. Mm -hmm. And, and then I went to 50%, no change. And I was getting closer to harvest. Mm -hmm. I was getting closer to harvest. I wanted to promote some level of stress to increase my, my, my soluble solids. Right, right. And little I knew that there was a, a heat spell with uh, seven days in a row, 105, 107 degrees. Mm -hmm. and, and I walked to the field the next day and, and, and the, the field was basically collapsed. Wow. And, and, and I, 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 I tried to understand what happened. What happened was that I was already stressing my field mm -hmm. when I was cutting the water, mm -hmm. but I couldn't detect that stress visually and that it was not basically enough water for the plant to respond to those uh, atmospheric demands, water atmospheric demands. Mm -hmm. And, and so the, 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 the plants collapse, right. I lost eight tons per acre versus the control. So mm -hmm. I, it was a huge lesson. And, and I said, what do I need to do to be able to monitor plant stress even before my eyes can see that? And I, I started doing my research and, 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 you know, like a six years ago, seven years ago or something like that. I found an algorithm that uh, was created by a research scientist in 1982, uh, working in the USDA station in Arizona, working with cotton, that uh, was working with basically uh, uh, with uh, plant stress monitoring. Mm -hmm. He created an algorithm that used infrared sensor to measure plant water stress at the hottest time of the day mm -hmm in a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So when, when I read that, uh, and, and, and that was at the same time I was going to my master's degree. So that's what I tell you that, uh, you know, going to, you know, the next level of education, sometimes open your eyes and, <laughs> and you had, you are in a new universe. Right, right. So, uh, I think that was a huge step. And what I did, I immediately bought, um, you know, three, um, three, three Apogee, mm -hmm. uh, infrared sensors and start uh, working immediately before the season uh, finished. And I couldn't understand anything about the data I was getting, why I was, sometimes I was getting uh, more transpiration than other. I thought the devices were not accurate. Mm -hmm. But what it didn't, I didn't know is that in a daily basis, vapor pressure deficit regulates how much your plants are transpiring mm -hmm. or how much your plants are cooling itself down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you have to learn all these plant physiology uh, uh, concepts to come up with a, um, uh, a system that can tell you if you are putting enough water or not to, to, uh, to, to, uh, to the plants. Right. So that's how, um, you know, I, I started uh, developing uh, this, this technology and, and we, we continue advancing and we went through the process that I told you about demonstrating that. And, and we, we started working with uh, tomato growers mm -hmm. first. And we have right now around maybe um, 19, 20,000 acres under, under the system, mm -hmm. you know, using infrared. And now we are now uh, working with uh, pistachio and almond growers. So that's, that's mm -hmm. what I, um, that, that's how, how things happen in terms of, of that technology. Yeah. Um, you, you talked about uh, wanting to track uh, plant stress, water stress. Um, have you have you done any research into uh, comparing your volumetric water content with with water potential within the soil water potential? I, I 
I did not did the research for one very reason is because there is plenty of information that demonstrates, you know, that the water potential uh, uh, measurements are, uh, you know, correlate really well with uh, the plant stress index when you use uh, the uh, infrared sensor. Got it. Okay. So there was plenty of information and I, I didn't want to use my resources on that since I knew that uh, that was already proven, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. it is plenty of information on that. And, and I found that in, in almonds, uh, that is work in almonds, basically in trees where, you know, growers use yeah. the, uh, the, uh, the pressure bump. Yeah. And uh, that, that is high, high correlation with that. So that's the reason uh, why I, I haven't done that, uh, that research. Right, interesting. Um, so you've, you've talked about using uh, the soil um, sensors. You've talked about um, the uh, infrared sensors as well. Um, you've also mentioned that you've, you've kind of moved on to, to look at and working with uh, satellite imagery and those kinds of things. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with that? Yes, and, and this is where, where the technology, you know, that's when you get into the smart management concept, mm -hmm. right? Because one, one thing is, is, is not enough to provide a grower with a robust system to, to manage their crops. Right. So uh, what we, we, we did was to create grading crop yield solutions where we could provide the grower with a platform that he can choose and, and start putting all this information together and educate the growers how to take advantage of these technologies. So that's when, uh, if you have these sensors in the ground, uh, you know, you explain then what is the kind of decisions you need to take. Uh, but once you integrate satellite systems, for instance, and you uh, have your infrared sensors, you have the evapotranspiration data mm -hmm. and soil moisture sensors, you put all this thing together and then things start getting more sense, mm -hmm. right? And you give the grower a certainty that what is going on in that specific field is true, mm -hmm. you know? And, and uh, for instance, I'm going to give you an example. Um, we, we check our information every day in the morning. So the first thing we take a look is, what are this, the, the fields that are showing the highest stress from the day before? Mm -hmm. Because we, we, we see the data every 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So in the morning, we see what was the field that had the highest stress uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. And then you go and select that field, and then and you go and revise what is the water levels. Mm -hmm. You know, is that related to that or another factor, mm -hmm. right? So then if you want to see the extent of the problem, you have a problem, you go to the satellite image, hmm. right? And you relate the two points that you have in the ground and then you can, uh, 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 you can extrapolate, right. you know, what is the condition, that specific condition, the two stations in relation to the rest of the field. Right. That's when satellite images make sense. You have to have a connection between, between the uh, space uh, data Right, that you are going from, you are getting from the satellite, and and uh, correlate that with the ground data. Right. I think that right. at this point, uh, I I think that at this point, we cannot uh, take decisions solely in uh, satellite data. Mm -hmm. I think we still still have ways to go mm -hmm. on that, mm -hmm. and um, co I consider that the best bet you have right now to take a good decision in your fields is you integrate that. Right. And um, the other thing that is now coming into play is the uh, crop nutrition aspect of it, right? Yeah. And then you bring you bring the insects aspect of it in diseases. So that's how we are trying to integrate, right, all these technologies to provide that to the growers. So with you, you, you talked about working with um or at least checking and following up on, on plant water stress, working with the plant water stress index. What are some of the, uh -huh. the specific stress signals that you're looking for in those plants? Yeah. 
What you are you you are you refer that to um, being able to detect it with satellite or with or in the ground? I guess what, what is, we could talk about both. Um, how, how are you okay, seeing so, both? Okay, so so okay, so the the algorithm the 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 water stress algorithm we use using the infrared sensor is is so accurate that the plant you can detect the the information that the plant is giving you basically in a daily basis mm -hmm. you know if you cut the water uh, uh, you can you can immediately detect the signals mm -hmm. the plant is telling you I'm 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 falling short of water mm -hmm. right you don't you don't see the stress because like I said by the time you see the stress it's because it's wilted right 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 so the great advantage of using infrared technology is that it can tell you way way ahead in advance when your plant is falling short of water or is, or if there is another factor, a disease or something that is obstructing this stomata closing and opening. Right. Okay. Right. So that is, that is uh, 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 one thing that I can say that it, it, it sends, the plant sends the signals ahead of time through this algorithm, through the detection of the infrared, because it detects the canopy temperature, right? And, and it, it reacts immediately. For instance, I've seen that you uh, cut the water because you forgot to irrigate an almond tree. Mm -hmm. An almond tree tells you that it doesn't like that within 24 hours. Oh. I mean, it's very, very sensitive. And you can tell once you leave those spaces without water, the tree stress in the almond is goes up. Right, right. You know, so it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to see your plant wilted. Now we are ahead of the game. We don't wait to that point and we try to uh, uh, minimize that, that factor. So um, I can say that in this case, we don't wait to see the wilting, right? Right. right. Now, when you talk about satellites, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, different, it's a different deal because what you are trying to see in the image is basically what are the areas that are weaker, right? And it's very difficult to say what is the reason why that area is weak. Can be soil type, mm -hmm. can be uh, a, maybe a disease, can be lack of water as well, can be an insect damage. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really difficult. The only thing I can say is that if tells you uh, in a weekly basis, it thinks I'm getting better or worse in the whole in, in the whole field in comparison with our sensors that are, we have only two locations, mm -hmm. right? So um, I, I think that it, it's hard to say the reason why your crop is bad, but you know, that's why you have to go and use that map as a reference and, and understand uh, uh, what, what's going on. But at this point, we cannot uh, define a problem, you know, in comparison when you have a sensor that is telling you right there that you know, your disease is, is getting hot because it's not transparent because it's lack of water or something right, else. Right. So there are the two differences right now. Right, right. Um, you've also, I, I guess I had I had a question. You talked about um, trying to work with, so trying to work with, with plants under stress. Um, but then also earlier you'd mentioned that, that you're in some of the, I guess with the different varieties that you're working with with tomatoes is that you're trying to either maximize or optimize the soluble solids working with bricks and 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 other other uh, parameters there um, are there times I know in some crops there are times when you want to stress the plant and others where you want to give them as much water as they can take um, is that is that how how it is with tomatoes as well or is it pretty much you want to be able to to keep I guess during the during the life of the, of that plant yes. or during the season are you managing uh, you know, from from week to week, or the during the the growth phase of, of that specific plant, how much water they're getting. That that is an excellent question because uh, so, sometimes growers tell me, you know, is is there a time where I can cut my water and stress the plant uh, so I can get more blooms, right, for instance, right? right? Yeah. I mean, I I have heard that, and 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 in my in my uh, opinion, you know, and and I you can read this in the books. You have to give your plants the optimum conditions to explode the genetic potential of that 
of that plan, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and well, if, if, if you can make mistakes, I can tell you that probably you can make mistakes uh, the first 30 days of the season, mm -hmm. right? But once you start getting into the fruit set stage, you have to strive to provide the plants with the best conditions possible, mm -hmm. right? And, and what is that? You have to have proper amount, proper amount of waters and proper nutrition. Right. And every time, and remember this, because that's what we learn uh, in our research, every time you short your plants purposely, you know, you are basically sending the message to the plant to close the stomata, mm -hmm. right? Because the plants are so smart. Yeah. They say, I don't have enough water. I need to keep my water uh, uh, levels, my water bank. So I'm going to close my stomata mm -hmm. right now. But what happened there? You close the intake of CO2, which is basically the, uh, the key factor for photosynthesis. That in turn produces this biomass, mm -hmm. right? Which is the mm -hmm. yields mm -hmm. or canopy. So every time you stress your plants, you are basically limiting your yields. Hmm. So you have to make sure that your plant has always the proper amount of water. So this plant opens the stomata at maximum and gets all the CO2, right? All the CO2, it, it, at the same time, it cools itself down, right? You maintain a low stress level and the plant basically is going to prevail, is, is going to produce all these yields that you are looking for. Right. So they, in, in, in short term, is it good to stretch your plants? No. Right. So with, um, with all this going on, what are some of the, I guess in, in, in what you have seen, what are some of the, the data points um, that are most meaningful or useful to, to farmers? And I mean, you can talk from, from your perspective with tomatoes. You've been working with other, with other crops um, as well. Um, are there, if you were to say, um, I guess give give some some consultation to a to a new a new farmer who's starting up a brand new mm -hmm. operation. Uh, what are the kind of the basic key, um, yeah, those key data points or key uh, technologies that that you would suggest yes. they implement? Um, what what we are trying to do, for instance, I'm gonna give you an example of uh, growers that are getting now in the tomato business, right? Or any any grower that is gonna start a new crop. Mm -hmm. The first advice is is to make sure you know, you have a great ground prep, mm -hmm. first step, right? It's a key factor because if you avoid, uh, um, you know, compaction or things like that, you need to give your roots the, the best the best conditions possible. Mm -hmm. I think that that will be the first step. But if I have to tell the, uh, the grower what parameters he needs to watch uh, other than having a good uh, plant uh, in the ground is, is irrigation, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and irrigation is, is critical, critical. I won't say that is more important than other things, but I will say that a uh, proper amount of water will be uh, a critical control point mm -hmm. for a grower. Mm -hmm. uh, then, then nutrition, right. Then nutrition. But I will say that, um, probably irrigation and nutrition and good ground prep and wait for a good weather <laughs> conditions right. and, and work closely with your PCA to control your, your insects and diseases. But I think that uh, that will be, in my opinion, the, the, the factors that, you know, uh, other than a good quality plant, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. that you receive from your greenhouses. Mm -hmm. I will say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, along with, along with what you've mentioned, um, you, you talked about that you've also been working with, with almonds and other crops. Um, I mean, almonds and tree, you know, tree nuts in general, they, they consume and require a, a lot of water. Um, I think I read somewhere that it's for each almond, um, it's, you know, a gallon of water per almond or something, something along those lines. Um, how, how is that, how are you seeing, or I guess in your experience, um, are you seeing that these technologies can play out a bit differently, um, or at least how are how are the the those orchards or other places? Um, we can talk about almonds in, in particular. 
How are they adopting yes. these technologies and what, what are the differences there in, in those orchards versus what you're seeing with the tomatoes? I, I, the first thing that I have to tell you is, is that we, we needed to make a little bit of changes before, before I go into, into the benefits that you, you might find, you know, what we are doing with, with uh, permanent uh, uh, crops like pistachios and almonds. Right. The first thing that we have to do was basically to be able to uh, uh, install the infrared and the top of the canopy. Yeah. You know, we have yeah. to um, I- I understand if there was a, a relationship between the temperatures that we were getting and, and the vapor pressure deficit, deficit mm-hmm. uh, values. Mm-hmm. Is there a correlation between high VPD and high uh, uh, evaporating cooling? Yes or no. And we did the research, we demonstrated scientifically uh, and statistically that uh, we could use the infrared mm-hmm. to measure canopy temperatures in response to BPD uh, changes. Mm-hmm. Um, once we did that, we, we created the algorithm and then we started installing and you can see these this, this, uh, infrared sensors on, on the canopies right now in almonds and pistachios. And at this point, right, right at this at this moment, uh, I am working, or we are working with a pistachio, large pistachio grower in the Central Valley, mm-hmm. and we have a side by side comparisons uh, uh, where we uh, he is irrigating based on their uh, normal practices, mm-hmm. and in in our plot we are irrigating based on uh, tree stress, okay. right? And, and if we if we if our stress, and normally when you measure uh, uh, water stress in our system, it goes from zero to one, mm-hmm. 0.5 being the middle point. And you don't want to be above 0.5 because the literature says that once you go above 0.5, you start losing yields, mm-hmm. right? right. And, and, and so what we are doing right now is a, is a practice where we say, if we don't get uh, above 0.3, you know, we are going to uh, apply X amount of um, hours, right? And we we keep this this uh, average below 0.3, and that is is been a great experience because at this point uh, of time, uh, we have saved around 15% of water. We 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 continue to to work because we we are not at harvest yet, but we are at this point 15% lower water usage and our average um, stress index is around uh, 0.1, 0.1, 0.2. And in the other side in the control, which is the uh, grower standard, he's a 0.3 stress, mm-hmm. but with a, even with a little bit more water. Mm-hmm. So those those are the kind of things that uh, we, we are trying to um, um, uh, do in other crops, I, th- I think we have a great opportunity to save water because normally uh, you use uh, between, let's say, 3.6 to 4.5 acre feet of water, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, for the season, right? right? So um, th- there is a lot of uh, criticism by, by this crop, uh, by the community to basically um, tell the almond growers and pistachio growers to optimize water. Right. So at this point, uh, we we have an average of uh, uh, water stress index in our in our uh, plot at about 0.1, 0.2 versus the control where uh, is the standard practices. The grower has a 0.3, slightly higher stress and with uh, a little bit more water. So we are now seeing the opportunity uh, to uh, help uh, the permanent uh, growers to improve water usage. I, I think we can help them. And I think the infrared technology, uh, uh, I mean, uh, works really, really well with trees. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they read the temperature flawlessly mm-hmm. in a daily basis. And um, we, we are very, very excited about the possibilities to start deploying this technology with with uh, in permanent crops, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's uh, I, I'm super interested to see how that goes. 
um, for you. Final, final questions are, um, I wanted to ask you, uh, kind of revolve around what you're seeing at, uh, here in the future. Um, and at least I was interested in, in seeing, okay, what are the next steps for you there at uh, Morningstar and Gradient? Um, what are you doing here in the next year, five years to improve? And then, and then maybe in what you see are the, the incoming trends within precision agriculture um, in general. Yes. Um, we, we are now, I mean, Morningstar right now is, is investing a tremendous amount of resources in automation and, 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 and autonomous uh, vehicles. Uh, we, we are um, doing a, a lot of work uh, with uh, automated harvesters, transplanters. Um, we, we are going to do the autonomous weeding. So uh, definitely there is a huge interest, uh, at least in our company, and you can see it ar around the world, mm -hmm. in uh, automation yeah. or, or autonomous vehicles. Yeah. So I think that that will be uh, the... The, the main thing we are going to concentrate in the future, but also um, there is, there is going to be a tremendous interest in the growers to maintaining the yields or, or increase the yields. Mm -hmm. that, that is going to be our biggest challenge because as uh, you know, uh, population increases in the world, the demand is also going to in, increase. Yeah. So I think that the, the, the need for continuous improvement and yield production is, is, is not going to stop, mm -hmm. in, in my opinion. So we, we have to continue working with crop nutrition, irrigation, and all those things. Right, right. So, so I guess, what do you think the future of agriculture looks like um, with you know, being able to, to irrigate less, and have improved technology. I mean, that seems that hopefully, hopefully, you know, you there at Morningstar can be, you know, the the example, the the, the shining light on the hill um, of <coughs> of of creating these new uh, business practices when it comes to agriculture. Do you think that's something that that um, I guess you, you mentioned that you're seeing a lot of this over in Europe and elsewhere? Um, do you see this kind of spreading there in in the Central Valley of California as well? Yes, definitely. Um, I, I, I think that we are going to have a big issue uh, within the next 10, 10 years or, or less about labor availability. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's becoming a, a, a big, big problem. And um, you, can, you, you, can, uh, you can say that um, growers are going to try to have more robots mechanize, you know, uh, the um, equipment. Uh, that there is there is a need, and there is going to be a need of, or, or basically, it's going to force us to get into um, autonomous vehicles. Mm -hmm. That that's what I see, and um, every time the, the new generation of people uh, does does not have any interest in working in the fields, mm -hmm. right? right. Uh, and they they want to pursue other other. Uh, uh, careers, and and that is that is an issue right now in the Central Valley. And don't be surprised if eventually uh, the Central Valley becomes uh, one of the um, you know first places where uh, robots or autonomous vehicles uh, are going to be the norm. Right. Um, I think we are not that far from that, and and we are going to that direction, um, you know, very 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 quick. Right. Interesting. Any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to add that we didn't get to cover? No, I think, uh, you know, we, I enjoyed this conversation. Uh, there is a lot of uh, topics. I have the passion for agriculture, mm -hmm. uh, the, the passion for research. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I have fun. I enjoy every day when, when we work with my colleagues in the field. I think we touch uh, in the general basis, you know, what we do um, at Morningstar uh, uh, with Gradient. Um, I think we have a huge challenge and, and I, we work every day to try to um, assist the growers. One thing I want to finalize, so what, what, will, be, what will be my final comment is that we, we, we want to support the growers. Mm -hmm. We need to work for the growers. We need to generate 
all these technologies for the growers because at the end of the day, they are the ones that basically are responsible to produce the food that we need. Right. So as a researcher, uh, agricultural researcher, I I feel honored to to be part of that of that effort, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that uh, if we continue working hard, we can give them the tools, you know, to 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 increase the yields, you know, and 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 be more productive, and and why not be more profitable, mm-hmm. right? And and work together to protect the environment and protect uh, the natural resources, and I think that. Um, that will be that will be the ultimate goal, at least, and and the morning morning star vision. Great. All right. Well, our time is up for today. Thank you again, Saul. We really appreciate you taking time to talk with us. It's been a really good conversation. Thank you for having me today. All right. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time on We Measure the World.